Hey there listeners, welcome to Horror Movie Club, the show where two dudes who aren't quite nerds but not quite noobs choose a horror movie each week to rate and review. I'm Ashvin, I've got Brian on the phone with me, and today we're going to be discussing the 2020 British horror film Amulet, written and directed by Romola Garay, and starring Carly Jury, Imelda Staunton, and Alec Sicarano. In this film, an ex-soldier finds shelter in an old house, helping a woman care for her elderly mother, or so he thinks. As usual, Brian and I are going to have a spoiler-free discussion up front. Uh, we'll talk about the background of the film, um, there's some genre conversations, and then uh, after taking a short musical break, we will jump into the plot, hit some of the spoilers, and get to our review. Um, Brian, was this one uh, up on your list in terms of 2020 movies we're supposed to be catching up on? It wasn't high on the list, but it was nominated um, for a Fangoria Chainsaw Award for Best First Feature. Yeah, it didn't win any of those awards, though, did it? No, it didn't. That was the only thing it was nominated for, I believe. And uh, Aunt Timpson won that award for Come to Daddy. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, uh, that 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 whole uh, award show and like looking through that list kind of reminded me of this film. Um, so uh, this one, uh, I I think we talked about it last year, but it just didn't grab your attention at all. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know why it just wasn't high up on my list for whatever reason. Yeah, and it probably you know it came out early in the year too. So I, I'm sure, uh, like as you think about the 2020 movies, we you want to go back and see uh, what, what are your top ones. Um. Boy, I think Freaky is probably at the top of my list of the yeah. ones that we haven't seen yet. Yeah, I feel, I feel the same. I mean, that's got yeah. that star power. Yeah, and Come to Daddy. Uh, yeah, yeah, that, that looks pretty good. Um, yeah, I, I guess this one's like more obscure and uh, it's a foreign film. Maybe indie? I, I couldn't find any budget numbers, could you? Um, no, I didn't see a budget number. Okay, yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm assuming probably not a huge uh, U.S. Uh, audience here. But um, genre-wise, uh, would you call this like a art house horror film? Yeah, I, I'll put it in that slow burn category too. Yeah, yeah, total total slow burn. Not a lot of yeah. dialogue, huh? No, there really isn't. Yeah, um, yeah, and uh, you know, this is not necessarily a subgenre, but we've talked a lot lately about this trend in twenty twenty films about caring for an aging parent. We saw oh. it in Relic and The Dark and the Wicked. mm Hmm. Yeah, good one. I, I totally forget. Yeah, this totally overlaps with that. Yeah. Uh, interesting. You know, I've heard that horror reflects what the culture is scared of at that time, and maybe we're all just afraid of getting old right now, or our parents getting old. Yeah, that's, that's a real fear. I mean, uh, with, like, sickness and health, there comes a lot of scary stuff, and you're right, like, these few movies, I feel like, really hit on that and make it even scarier, for, which, which isn't very helpful. And it's kind of gotten scarier even since these movies were made, because... So many people passed away in nursing homes and other care facilities over the past year. Yeah, it's become very real. I think just as a culture, too, we're becoming more aware of what life is like in those places and that it's probably not the way most of us would choose to go. Yeah, yeah, it I guess. It depends, though, I guess, on the place. Yeah, because cause then you have that movie that I think you mentioned last time, which uh, is about that retirement community down in Florida. Yeah. Uh, wait, I haven't seen that, but I mean, I assume like that's a lot more uplifting than these kind of films. Um, not necessarily. Ah, damn. All right. <laughs> I mean, more so than these for sure. But uh, yeah, it's not. It's just kind of like a almost a case study of, or a character study of uh, like three separate households. Oh, okay, in that community. And uh, there's good and bad and in between and yeah. 
Yeah. It's yeah. just weird. It, it feels like we're all kind of thinking about what what it's like to uh, be that age. I don't know if maybe it's just our specific age group, 30s and 40s, and yeah. um, there are a lot of directors putting movies out that are in that age group, or, or what the deal is. Yeah, it's it's almost like a, what's become more scary than like dying or like a death is like that idea of like a, yeah coming very close to death or, or like that uh, old decay illness kind of uh, thing is, is starting to become a lot scarier than that idea of actually dying, right? Yeah, yeah. And I assume now more than ever people move away from their homes. So I think it's more common for people to be kind of alone as they age. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's definitely a thing that we're seeing more and more of as, as uh, generations grow. Yeah, and we're supposedly lonelier now than we ever have been, so I assume that goes for elderly folks as well. Yeah, though. Uh, yeah, so it, I, I guess there was that loneliness with the, with these characters. Um, th- this one, I think, takes a slightly different path. But then, aren't you also kind of showing like these kids coming back uh, to take care of their their decaying elderly parents? Yeah, yeah. At least that's what we see in Relic in the Dark and the Wicked. Right, right. Um, but yeah, I guess there was those kind of like this estrangement uh, kind of feeling. Right. It's never a, uh, there's always a bit of a distance to it, you know? Yep. Yep. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. It's not like a close, uh, multi-general, multi-generational household or it's never even just like the kids live down the street. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, th- this is pretty scary and like really heavy, like weighty stuff, isn't it? It is. It is. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I think you're right. More and more people are kind of relating to this kind of fear. Um, And uh, other categories, uh, I saw the term feminist horror associated with this uh, film. Did you see that? And do you agree with that categorization? Yeah, that was, I think, one of the producers who who went ahead and said that. Um, I think maybe we can talk more about that at the end after we walk through the plot. Um, Yeah. I could see that. I could see that. Yeah, yeah, I feel like some elements coming at the end, and yeah, it, it's almost kind of like a spoiler to go too far into that at this moment. Yeah, um, mumblecore, not at all. Oh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't call this mumblecore, but um, I see where you're coming from. The dialogue is pretty, uh, pretty thin, pretty yeah. light, <laughs> but I wouldn't say the act, acting is is naturalistic. Um, sure, and the the mumblecore kind of has more of a focus on aimless 20 and 30 somethings without any Mm. oh i don't know these there's not like a gen x drifter type situation for these characters yeah yeah you're right i think uh, there's a lot more like uh trauma in these characters and where they're coming from and you don't have and aj bowen isn't here either right maybe gen y or even millennials but yeah yeah okay yeah yeah that seems fair uh, the director, uh, pretty cool. It looks like she was an actress. She's done a lot of film and TV work, uh, and she was in Atonement, which is the only thing I recognized, but her de- directorial debut. Did you recognize her, or do you, do you know her at all? Um, she. I don't know of her, but um, she was nominated twice for a Golden Globe for Best Actress in a TV miniseri- miniseries for uh, Emma? the BBC miniseries Emma. Yeah. Oh, that, that name sounds really familiar. I'm, I'm not sure if I've seen that show. Have you? No, I haven't, but they just, they did a feature um, called Emma in 2020, starring uh, your girl. Who? Why is her name escaping me? Imogen? The witch, um, 
the girl from the witch oh my gosh oh 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 man Anya Taylor-Joy <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> oh right 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 yeah I forgot she did that movie last year yeah oh okay Oh, that's cool. Yeah, and then uh, she Romola was nominated for another for Best Actress again for something called The Hour, a BBC oh. show. Cool. Yeah, and, and like speaking of uh, people being nominated, winning awards, I mean uh, the whole cast here: Car- Carla, Jury, Imelda, Staunton. Uh, but all of them have like a number of like theater film works and have been nominated and won a number of awards. So it's kind of like a big cast uh, in terms of like uh, accolades that they've received. Yeah, the acting was solid throughout. I mean, these yeah. were very talented actors. Yeah, yeah, you could definitely tell that. Uh, uh, but and then uh, the guy uh, Alec, um, I think he's a Romanian actor. Uh, he's only done uh, a few things. Uh, I'd never seen him before. Had you? No, I had never seen him, but I was very familiar with the face of the nun. Were you? No. What are you from? From Harry Potter? Yeah, Melda Staunton was. Dolores Umbridge from the Harry Potter franchise. Oh, okay. Is she in a few of those or just one of the movies? I think it's two or three. Oh, okay, cool. Uh, and she cleaned up on awards from a movie called Vera Drake. Uh, did you see that one? Uh, I saw that um, somewhere, but I've never seen the movie. Yeah, I've never seen it either. Yeah. I feel like these guys are probably a bigger deal in like the UK and stuff. Yeah, I imagine so. Yeah. Um, 71% Rotten Tomatoes so uh, I, I feel like this is getting um, like at least critics are kind of buying into this film um, but I- any other uh, background you're able to find on it there, there wasn't much out there um, there was one person who had in the special effects makeup department who had some notable credits Ian Morse worked on 28 Days Later 28 Weeks Later From oh. Hell Little Shop of Horrors and a bunch of other stuff oh that's really cool yeah yeah, and uh, yeah, we'll talk about the gore effects later. That, that that's interesting to know. Yeah, there's not too much information out there on this movie, though. I know it's pretty thin. Yeah. Um, do you were you? Uh, I was wondering how uh, our friend Alex was going to connect this to Ohio. Do you, you have an Ohio connection for us? I've got one, and he said it was definitely one of the harder connections in recent memory. Yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> uh, so yeah our friend Alex connects every movie we watch to our home state of Ohio for us and Alex owns the jukebox bar and restaurant in Cleveland which is finally now open again for patio dining retail carryout and Uber Eats so if you're a listener in the Cleveland area now is your chance to go enjoy that patio or at least get some delicious pierogi via Uber Eats um, an amulet Alex says Amulet is a British horror film from 2020. It features a small cast of European actors, including Angeliki Papalau playing the role of Miriam. Among her limited film credits is a voice role in the upcoming American animated film CryptoZoo. This film stars known actors Lake Bell, Michael Sarah, and stage actor Thomas J. Ryan. Ryan was the sole actor in a 2014 short film titled God in the Machine, which had at least 10 marionettes designed by visual artist Scott Radke, who is from and currently resides in Cleveland, Ohio. Wow, that's awesome. That's like four <laughs> degrees of separation. <laughs> yeah. Wow. I, don't, I don't want to know how long that took him, but thank you, Alex. Props. Yeah, yeah, great job. Great job. I think I might head to that patio in the, in the next few days. Uh, just to, uh, Hopefully I'll find him and give him a pat on the back for that one. Oh, awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I um, assume you'll give him a heads up. Oh, yeah. Good idea. <laughs> <That's>, uh, <laughs> uh, hey, uh, did you know what the word amulets meant before we had this, uh, before you seen this movie? Yeah. Yeah. I didn't know what it meant. Probably from uh, 
our D and D days. Oh, I don't remember uh, that that term before. Um, and it's something you've used in a in like a daily dialogue or you said from time to time. <laughs> <laughs> Honey, have you seen my amulet? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. No, I don't use it daily. I, I I guess I just probably know it from other works of fiction. Yeah, and it's just it's just like a good luck charm or something or. Uh, some kind of uh is it, i think there's like a religious connotation to it right i think a little bit i kind of typically think of it as like a little statuette type thing or a like stone valuable stone type thing something and, and it's something to like generally ward off evil or something right i think it can be i think that's how it's typically associated but mm, i didn't okay. honestly look up a definition of that word yeah yeah i i, I looked it up uh because, yeah, I don't think I'd ever heard that one before. It was interesting. Yeah. All right. Well, cool. We're learning uh, vocabulary between Utilidor with 30 Days of Night and Amulet here. <laughs> I know. I know. Look at us. <laughs> I think that was one of our goals with this podcast, right? To expand our vocabulary. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, this is great. Uh, cool. All right. Well, uh, do you want to jump into uh, the plot, uh, hit some of the spoilers, and review the film? Let's do it. I'm ready. All right, cool. Um, hey, but uh, before we do that, do you mind if we take a quick break? I mean, I'm not feeling too well, and I think I might need to use the restroom really quick. Oh, shoot. Okay. Yeah, go for it. All right. Thanks, man. I'll be right back. Hey man, sorry about that. I'm I'm back. Okay, you, how did it go? Are you feeling any better? Or? Yeah, feel, feeling much better. You know, I I don't know what happened. I uh, had some wings for uh, dinner, uh, but then you know, yeah, it just it was just hurting a lot. So I went to the toilet, um, but I looked down and I noticed uh, there was like a bloody uh, dead bat in the toilet. So I'm, I'm guessing those weren't like chicken wings I ate. You ever, you ever <laughs> have that happen to you? <laughs> Yeah, we all pass the bat from time to time. Yeah, it's just part of <laughs> part of life, I guess. Yeah. Uh, do you do you have that fear? Like, uh, I, I have this fear when I like travel uh, abroad and stuff. Uh, even I, I guess even when I'm here, sometimes that like uh, I'm scared to like look down because you ever worry about things popping up at you or something like a, a snake or something. I was worried about that as a kid. I think um, one of the horror VHS covers had something popping out of the toilet. I feel like it was either critters or ghoulies. Yeah. Isn't that scary? Oh. (laughs) I think I remember that cover you're talking about. Yeah, like some uh, like kind of dude or like a little monster coming out of the toilet, right? Yeah, yeah. So just that VHS cover alone at a young age scared me that something was going to come out of the toilet and sneak some sort of monster for sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it seems like really, really... I I worry mostly about like bugs and things, but... Or or snakes. uh, It's never happened, but you know, you never know when it's going to happen. Yeah. Well, now I know what prank to pull on you if we're ever bunking together. (laughs) That would kill me, man. (laughs) That's not a good idea. (laughs) All right, so uh, yeah, let's dive into the plot of this film. Uh, so it opens with uh, this kind of aerial view of a forest, uh, some great uh, cinematography of like open uh, landscape. Uh, we see this lone soldier whose name is Thomas. He's guarding this remote outpost, so he's some kind of soldier. And uh, one day this woman tries to run at the border, and uh, he ends up taking her in and, and uh, befriending her. Do you know like what context or like what war they're referring to here? I don't know what war it was. Okay. I yeah. assume somewhere in Eastern Europe. 
Yeah, yeah, you get by the accents and things like that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I couldn't tell like factual it was or if, yeah, pertaining to an actual uh, conflict that happened out there. Uh, so then the movie cuts to present day where uh, Thomas is now this refugee living in London. He works as a day laborer. Uh, one night, the shelter he's staying in is burned down and he runs out on the street and passes out. This nun finds him and checks him into the hospital. After he recovers, he finds this nun whose name is Sister Claire and she takes him to live in a house that's habited by this young woman named Magda and she is caring for her elderly mother who we don't see uh, but we hear her up in the uh, attic. Uh, Magda tells Thomas uh, he can stay there for free as long as he's willing to help around the house but you can tell she's not like 100% on board with him staying there and it's kind of an imposition in some ways. Uh, th- this is yeah. kind of, oh go ahead. She's hesitant about it for sure. Yeah, yeah. I think they both are, aren't like a little uneasy about the situation. Yeah, it's really like the nun brokering the whole deal. Right, right. Uh, and and the house is kind of spooky. There's like dark mold growing in all these places. There's no electricity. Uh, we hear uh, Magda's uh, mother in the attic uh, moving around and stuff, and uh, know that like sometimes she's like attacking uh, Magda and beating her up. Uh, so, what do you think of this whole setup? The house, the characters, uh, the, the the setting. I thought the setup was fine and the house, the setting was good, but everything you described feels like it just, it, you described like the first 30 to 40 <laughs> minutes of the movie. <laughs> and like five things have been said. Basically. Yeah. Uh, the, um, the dialogue was so sparse and in the first, I remember looking down at the 12 minute mark and being like, there'd been barely a word of dialogue spoken. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it almost felt like the movie was kind of a lot of B-roll at first, just like shots of the forest and shots of the street. And yeah. It, it was uh, very slow. Yeah. Um, it, it almost felt like there weren't a lot of frames with faces in them. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I agree. I agree. Very, very slow film so far. Um, and but, but I think a lot a lot of like what it's doing is like giving us hints of like these characters like we know uh, Thomas like I mean we saw that background where he's a soldier and we know he sleeps like with uh, his arms uh, taped up so like he's obviously like still coming off some trauma there um, and then like uh, yeah Magda is just this kind of you know pretty uneasy person who is like maybe like kind of straight scared of the outside world and stuff so yeah well like not not a lot is happening and uh, not a lot's being said uh i do feel like it's an effective portrayal of their characters without uh too much talking right yeah i think so i think the performances really reveal a lot about the characters yeah yeah um i i feel like since not a lot was happening in this part of the movie there was kind of a lot done. I don't know. Sometimes with the flashbacks, the chronology of it all got a little confusing to me. Did that yeah. happen to you at all? Yeah, I never like a movie that's like running on two different uh, like timelines. Yeah, uh, that like kind of ping ponging back and forth gets a little bit annoying. But uh, yeah, that, that bothered you. Well, uh, a little bit. It, it kind of felt like it was a way to make the story more intriguing than the story was <laughs> yeah. um, at least up until this point you know they say if, if, if one of your stories is boring uh, tell two boring stories at once and that makes <laughs> more exciting that'll get them yeah <laughs> but this is not an unfamiliar vibe for modern horror right just sure. this this slow quiet 
yeah vibe you know it's going to be a slow burn right yeah yeah definitely leading into the slow burn and and the only way you can kind of tell present to uh you know what happened in the past i feel like is his beard uh but yeah he's just kind of like this guy who doesn't talk a lot and uh just likes his line here and there right yeah yeah the beard is an important timeline thing to <laughs> grab onto i should have paid more attention to that yeah yeah that's the one thing i had <laughs> Uh, so I, I think like the first like actual like because you're right yeah we're like 30 40 minutes and not much has happened so the one thing that finally happens where I got kind of excited is one day Thomas is, uh, decides to clean out one of the toilets and he's pouring bleach down the drain and when he does he finds this like bat like creature uh, in, in the toilet and it's got like these sharp teeth and covered in blood he pulls it out thinking it's dead but it bites him and then he like stomps on its head and kills it um, what, what did you think of, of this scene? Like, was that kind of like a wake up call for the film? Yeah, that was kind of gnarly. That started to get my attention. Yeah. Yeah. Same. I thought like, finally, like, uh, there's like some supernatural stuff or something going on here. Yeah. Monster movie maybe. Yeah. Uh, so, um, he tells Magda about it. She's like completely aloof. She's, she doesn't know what it is. She thought she thinks it's a rat. He says it's a bat. Um, but anyway, him, him and Magda just kind of slowly start to bond together. Um, and uh, one day he follows her up to the attic and, and we finally see this mother who we haven't seen yet. And she's this pretty old and like uh, decrepit, decaying uh, woman who's kind of like all curled up. And while they're up there, she tries to choke Magda. Thomas is pretty upset by all this and realizes uh, everything like Magda is going through and decides to take her out dancing to the club one night. And uh, after they go to the club and uh, they start to get intimate, but Thomas uh, has some kind of like trauma that like keeps him from doing it. And he's just like really conflicted and has to like run home uh, that night. Like, you know, they think they try to um, get closer again, but he's obviously still got something that's like keeping her, him from her. Um, and they go up to the attic and they uh, see Magda's mother again. Um, and she gives birth, I think, to one of the bats, right? Correct. Right. Uh, and he freaks out and uh, goes back to Sister Claire. Who, and Sister Claire explains to Thomas that Magda's mother is actually the demon that Magda has been taking care of. Was that, is that right? Is that your interpretation of it? Yes. So that that's not uh, her mother? I start to get confused at this point in the movie. Um, I yeah. didn't know if her... No, I don't think it was her mother. Okay. I don't know why she looked like she looked. Yeah, like like an elderly woman. And then so I didn't know if Magda made up that story or what. But yeah, apparently it is a demon and it's under Magda's care slash protection to essentially contain evil. And Magda kills these bats as they pop out. Contain? Oh, wait, sorry. So, so uh, it's a demon uh, to contain evil and it poops out bats? <laughs> no, the demon is itself e. e. <laughs> <laughs> the demon demon is evil and it, it birds bats. Oh. Um but Magda's job is to essentially contain the evil by keeping the demon locked up. Oh, okay. And then like killing the bats when they're born. I, I guess. Yeah. I, see. I don't know why she wouldn't work harder to kill the demon. I don't know why she would bring food to the demon. Yeah. Right. Um Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. I think we'll, we, uh, we'll get into that, I think, uh, as, as the movie wraps up. But uh, yeah, 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 yeah. I was kind of pretty confused here, too. Like, why is Magda, like, stuck taking care of this demon? Um, right. Oh, what, what did you think of, like, her dancing in, in, like, the club scene? Was it was that kind of funny to you? 
that was so strange. So <laughs> this has been this like really quiet, serious movie this whole time. It's almost got like a misery porn vibe. I wouldn't put it in that bucket, but you know, this depressing modern horror vibe. Yeah. And then she's dancing like an idiot in the club. Like it's like the Elaine dance from Seinfeld. <laughs> yeah, it really and is. And it's just so weird. It's it was such a tonal shift to me. Like it didn't fit with the movie at all. Yeah. I was like, why is this happening? What did you think? Were you just was, amused? Like uh, yeah. I was amused when she was like dancing at home for him, but yeah, throwing in like I, I didn't expect to see like a club scene uh, or like a bar scene in this film, just given the atmosphere and everything that's going. So it, it was very unexpected, but I couldn't tell if that was like cool that they did something like so wildly uh, out of tone with like the rest of the film, or if it's just like so out of place that it kind of breaks up the continuity of uh, what we were seeing. But I, I think I appreciated it because it did add like something different to like all like the heaviness and like the the slowness that we'd seen uh, to that point. Yeah, I think it was, for me it was such a tonal shift and and the movie kind of goes on to do more of things like that that it, it didn't match the rest of the movie to me. Like she's this quiet, reticent, pretty much housebound woman the whole movie and then she's like going nuts. Like I get that that's the point, but yeah. uh she's also going nuts like a <laughs> Yeah. fucking idiot <laughs> yeah yeah there, there was kind of like a strange character transformation that I, I feel like happens very quick because at first she's pretty uh you know like put off by thomas and not like really close to him and like suddenly like 10 minutes later she's like at this bar like dancing and like getting down with him basically yeah uh, so yeah it, it was a really interesting and kind of a quick shift yeah but, it uh, was yeah uh cool so we talked about the mother giving birth to a bat and, and they kill that bat um so Thomas uh, tries to kill Magda's mother once he finds out that uh, it's a demon by stabbing her, and we get some glory here. Uh, that, but he's uh, he, he fails at this, and the demon basically is able to turn the knife back on him and is about to kill him. But Magda intervenes and uh, saves Thomas from getting killed by this demon. Uh, did you like the gore effects here? I, I feel like this is where the movie started to get kind of gory. I think it is really gory. Yeah, and there are some pretty good effects. Yeah, yeah, like the the knife through the throat and stuff. It's pretty impactful. Yeah. Uh, so I think at this point we jump, but we do another flashback to when Thomas was a soldier out in the woods, and we see that the woman that he found at the beginning uh, is trying to run away into the woods to cross the border, but he chases her down and ends up raping her in in the woods. Um, so a pretty big like uh, reveal here that like Thomas and we we know like the whole film he's kind of like talking about how he can't forgive himself and uh we know he's like he's dealing with like some kind of post-war trauma and stuff but uh what would you think of this twist that like he'd actually raped a woman back then it was quite a twist man um like this is our main character who we've been with the whole time um yeah and it was a time of war and he was trying to protect this woman so you assume the thing he feels guilty about is like not being able to save her or not standing up for her like he showed up at a certain point like right. or some sort of accident that he feels responsible for but to to learn that our main character is a straight-up rapist an hour and 15 minutes into the movie is quite a uh, quite a slap in the face it really is for the right? audience yeah yeah i know i know because i mean up until now he kind of felt like the protagonist and, and we're kind of like on his side as he's going through this kind of scary situation right yeah yeah yeah, and, and now we kind of see like he's he's done some pretty uh, messed up things. Sure. 
Uh, yeah, yeah. So kind of a big twist here. Uh, so he confides this, I think, to Magda, and I think they make love, and he finally feels like he can sleep and like not have these nightmares anymore. But um, uh, he's incorrect because he wakes up in a bathtub, and his stomach is sick, and he's puking up some black stuff. And then Sister Claire shows up, and her nun outfit's gone, and instead she's like this cool woman who's like smoking and stuff, uh, looking pretty hip. And we discover that she's really not a nun at all, but someone who's been setting Thomas up to be the next host for the demon, I think. Is that is that right? Correct, yeah. Okay. Um, so Thomas is going to be the next demon, which uh, the other demon was uh, that other woman in the attic that he had tried to kill. So... Uh, he there's a scene here where he uh where the where the nun or the woman who was pretend, pretending to be a nun tells him to look into a mirror so that he can see himself and like what he's become. Uh did you understand that? Uh like what what did you see in that? I did not understand that, no. Yeah. I'm not sure if I even remember that part. There yeah. were a few things that lines and, and things that were said that felt like they should have been significant. Mm-hmm. Um but I was confused by them because uh, she also says at one point, like, ate well, didn't you? Now it's time to pay for your meal. So <laughs> I was yeah. like, is it, was it the food he was eating that, like, did then, something to him or helped him get possessed by this demon? Because they really go out of their way a lot of the movie to show him eating, <laughs> show Magda cooking for him. I know. Some, like, really cl- real close-up shots. Like, that was, like, a big plot point in the beginning, right? Like, him eating food. Yeah, and, like, the chewing sound is way up front in the sound design. Yeah, 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 exactly. I I think there was something in in that food. I assume, and he and she's been like fattening him up or something, or like feeding him. Uh, who knows? That's something, right? Yeah, I don't. I don't know. Who knows? Yeah, I know. But pretty pretty vague there. And then apparently he sees something in the mirror, and he kind of like realizes that he's becoming the host for the demon. Um, he wants uh, the 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 woman who was pretending to be a nun. Uh, asks him who he wants to be his caretaker or whatever so he wants Magda to do it but she tells him that you can't take Magda because uh, she's already like watching this other demon Um, but he kind of hears that and realizes he needs to kill that demon so he goes up to the attic and kills the demon that's up there which we thought was Magda looked like Magda's mother but after he kills that demon he realizes that it was actually the body of a dude who used to live in that house who had murdered his children uh, how, how did that happen? Cause I could have sworn this was like a woman before, right? Yeah, I mean, it had the appearance of a woman, but when he kills her, her uh, outfit goes askew and we see a, <laughs> a, penis. a penis and a couple of testicles hanging out. That, I couldn't tell for sure if that was a penis and testicles. That, that's what it was? Uh, yeah, it, <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure it was. Yeah. Uh, and I don't know where the uh, the bats were coming out from then. It, Maybe I was wrong to call it birth and you were right to call it poop. <laughs> it's coming out from somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah or I, maybe it's the uh, second penis birth we've seen in 2020. Oh, man. Two penis births. That's awesome. <laughs> the I, year of penis birth. Yeah. Yeah. Head first. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. It's, 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 a. Uh, it's yeah it's, it's it's really strange because yeah you're right there's like some shape-shifting that's happening here and like this demon that we thought was a was a woman before an elderly woman turns out to be uh, a, a guy but I, I think i don't know if that's like an illusion or something or something to do so yeah i just feel like the movie's getting really trippy here right yeah yeah and i should say this is a pretty gory and good looking kill here he like saws the demon's head in half oh yeah yeah great effects there that was, yeah. that was cool to see 
Um, so in case this wasn't confusing enough, now he wanders around the house and he finds this giant glowing seashell. And when he wanders into it, he sees uh, the shape which represents or resembles this amulet that he had found earlier on in the film in the forest when he was a soldier. And uh, it's speaking in the voice of Magda, saying like, "Isn't this what you wanted?" Um, you know, uh, yeah. And, and and then his stomach starts hurting really bad, and uh, we see him like kind of screaming and realize that he's giving birth now to a demon bat, uh, probably either through his dick or pooping it out, right? Yeah. <laughs> Some combination of those. One of those things. Yeah. Or there's a third hole somewhere in the mix. Ooh, God, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that might be better. I don't know. Uh, so the mo- movie ends with uh, Magda driving across the country, stopping at this gas station where we see the woman that Thomas had raped uh, you know, years ago. She's working there. And Magda has a brief conversation with her where uh, she's like, uh, the, the woman says, oh, you know, it's important to move on and stuff. And Magda gives her the amulet and uh, tells her, never forget. Um, then as Magda drives away, we see that Thomas is hiding in the back seat under some blankets. And uh, I think that's where it ends, right? I think so. Does she like toss him some food back there or something? Yeah, toss him a packet of like ragu or something. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, and then it kind of has this uh, feel good, like girl power type moment at the end, right? With her like driving away on the open road after she's been housebound taking care of this other demon the whole time. Yeah, another crazy tonal change, right? Yes, yeah. Yeah, because like throughout the whole movie, it's like really, really heavy uh, choir, like a uh, choral kind of music, uh, like almost like something you'd hear in a church or something. And it ends on like her like blasting the stereo on like some kind of rock song and like wearing these glasses and like driving off into the sunset. Yeah. Yeah, and I don't mean to, you know, the, the producer said this is a feminist horror movie, and I don't mean to be demeaning by, like, feel-good girl power movie, but, like, that's the best way to do Because the shift, the tonal shift is so strange here. That's really is what it feels like. It's like it ends yeah. on the tone of a road trip movie. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and, uh, yeah, it, it is so weird, right? Because uh, it's kind of like a victorious ending, and uh, th- that's the thing. Like, it's kind of disorienting because... Uh, you know, like, uh, I, I know you mentioned, like, Thomas, like, we kind of think he's a good guy. Realize, you know, towards the middle or towards the end, like, he's, he's, like, done this terrible thing and he's becoming this demon now. And then, like, her kind of, like, uh, driving off with him in the back seat, like, cowering under a blanket. Uh, is she kind of, like, the hero of this film and he's, like, the villain uh, or, or, like, the antagonist, like, hiding under a blanket or something? Yeah, yeah, I think he's the bad guy and, you know, the prior demon... Um was a dude who had killed his whole family to try to marry his daughter so Mm. i think maybe the feminist themes are it's about men who have done evil things and uh i don't know containing that evil so that nobody else can be hurt by it yeah Um, yeah and that's that that's like mag does role right it's like to contain the evil yeah i guess so yeah um and i don't know what she did to be put in that position to be the guardian of the evil and live this miserable life. Yeah. Um, if it's an honor or a curse or some combination of the two, and I don't know why she couldn't take a road trip with the other <laughs> demon in the backseat. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> maybe they retained some form of consciousness and she knew that that guy wouldn't hurt her. Um, mm-hmm. There's just so much <laughs> to... to to try to wrap your head around and so much that's not explained that it's a real head scratcher in a lot of different ways for me 
It is, yeah. I, I felt the same way. It was like pretty. Uh, uh, the, the ending is like pretty vague and, and like it leaves a lot open for interpretation. But one, you know, I started to read some of the director's responses, and like there's a interview where basically she lays it out. But um, I wonder. Uh, I don't. I don't know if she spelled this part out. But was the whole thing a setup? Because uh, I, I know, like, we kind of see Magda as, like, someone who's, like, imprisoned the whole time and, like, the servant to, like, this uh, demon present, uh, presence in, in the attic. But was she, has she been the one that's been in control the whole time and this whole thing was to get Thomas uh, to, like, you know, to kind of torture him and, like, get him to, like, uh, convert it into this demon? Like, I, I don't know, kind of like the ending kind of put her in a position of power and makes me wonder if she was running the game the whole time. Yeah, I mean, it seemed somehow on purpose because she, we see the the nun, like, you know, the nun is just faking it and positioning him with her in this house, house with Magda, mm-hmm. and she, like, steals his money and tosses it down a sewer. Right. Um, I don't understand how that was planned necessarily or why or how they knew about his past. Yeah, yeah. Right, it's, it's, it's not very clear at all. Uh, but uh, the, the 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 interpretation, oh, I guess it's not interpretation. But the, what, what the director said is that uh, Magda is kind of like this deity, right? And uh, she, uh, the, the the nun is kind of like her handler, who like brings her these souls who've like done evil things. And uh, Magda becomes like their the caretaker of evil, as like you mentioned, where she is basically uh, there to like keep them contained and like kill those bats or something that are coming out of them. Okay, interesting. Which isn't very clear, right, in the movie? No, that is not very clear. Um, I guess that makes sense, because he does have, like, a vision of her as this weird... uh, She has, like, a strange form that's similar to the amulet. Yeah. Um, And they say something in the beginning about the amulet being, like, a guardian, like a female guardian. Mm. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, maybe she is somehow connected to the amulet in some way. But also, like that dude was just digging in the woods and found the amulet yeah. buried. Right? Like he was digging a hole for some unknown reason. Unknown yeah. reason. Yeah. 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 Right. So, so I was like- just very confused about what the amulet had to do with anything. How he found it. Why he found it. Yeah. Um, and that's that's it. You know, he finds it and the woman he like takes under his wing uh, on the border at his little shack because she's trying to cross the border and he says it's not safe but she can stay with him until it is safe she mentions it's a guardian of power or a female guardian or something Mm -hmm. like that and then we never really see or hear much of it again until the end of the movie when we see her as this deity shaped like the amulet yeah yeah the amulet itself was like pretty uh it didn't seem like very like well integrated into the plot right it was kind of like this random thing yeah yeah i i don't think it was very well integrated the the director came out and said though that the amulet uh finds thomas like i I know like we see him finding the amulet but according to her the amulet finds thomas because it recognizes that he has this capacity to do evil. So I, I feel like the whole movie, you kind of think Thomas is like in control of his destiny and is like making these decisions, but potentially the amulet like finds him because he's evil and then Magda and stuff like bring him in to like kind of, uh, uh, you know, take advantage of or, or like, you know, kind of uh, make him pay for his evil or something. So it's just, it's really weird to interpret it that way, but that, that's kind of like her explanation of it. It's interesting too that Thomas is an in. Um, like a sympathetic character for the whole movie until you learn he's a rapist. 
Yeah, right. Um, and then I guess you know, not to sound horrible, you could make a case he's still sympathetic even after that. Like, yeah. he feels horrible. He's trying to do better. Yeah. Um, which, as a feminist horror movie, this could um, that could be part of the message. Like, the world isn't divided into good and evil, and people who consider themselves to be good people can do evil things. And yeah, um, you know, I think one discussion we're seeing in our culture recently is just like examine yourself and and look at the things you're doing that you don't even realize are are horrible and uh and realize that nobody's as squeaky clean as they think they are sure right yeah yeah um, all, all got those ghosts yeah 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 so um yeah but it was just I think the best way to describe this movie for me is that it's a difficult movie. Like, yeah. Anytime you have a main character who you then learn in an hour and 15 minutes into the movie is actually a rapist, that in itself is difficult. Like, it's difficult for the audience. And that's fine. The, the movie can be a challenging movie. Yeah. Um, but I think there are too many challenging things all combined. Like, there are three or four moments of complete tonal shift that are very jarring. Um, mm-hmm. Switching timelines it itself can be slightly jarring. Like the, a, a movie viewer who's fairly well seasoned shouldn't have any problem with that. But something about the way they did it made it feel more jarring than usual to me. It might have just been because there were other confusing things in the movie. Yeah. Um, I think sometimes, too, it was because both timelines, it felt like there was often a lot of just random footage of the surroundings in the environment. So when you it was not uncommon to have jarring shot transitions so then to have it jump in time it was just all the more confusing yeah yeah um because i felt like even within timelines there'd be a new shot where you'd be like okay wait what am i looking at now right right yeah a whole total shift of, of scenery or something yeah yeah and then, um, uh, and then, you know, also adding to that jarringness, I think, uh, even like that character kind of change where the, the mother isn't, uh, the mother, but she's a demon, but she's not the mother demon. She's like this other dude. So even your character is like constantly like changing who they are. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I still don't understand why it would have the appearance of a, a woman, like an elderly woman, this, this man demon that she'd been keeping in the attic. Yeah. Um, and it's just so strange because at a certain point in my notes, I was like, if this is going to turn it into a movie where somebody steps on a demon bat and squashes it, um, why did it have to be so quiet and serious for the first hour or so of the movie? <laughs> you think they could have been doing that a lot earlier in the movie? <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean... <laughs> yeah, more bat squashing, I guess. <laughs> it just seemed like such a, I don't know if it was a strange choice, but just kind of like a different approach could have been taken. Like mm-hmm. if it was going to be a movie about a, a woman birthing hairless bats, why so quiet and boring for so long? Is that really what, what, you, what it was a movie about though? Because I feel like that was such like a minor plot point that... Uh uh, I, I know, like, at the end, like, he's giving birth to bats, but, but the bats, like, I, I don't feel like they ever, like, fully flushed out, like, what the bats do or what their purpose is. Um, do, do you feel like that, that was, like, the focus? 
No, no. I, I guess I'm just like honing in on that as an example. Like, yeah, uh, all the wackiness that ensues at the end. I just don't know why they had to make it so slow and quiet. Maybe that in itself is just a useless question. Like, yeah, a hereditary type movie can be a slow burn and then have a wacky kind of supernatural ending. But it did feel like it was building organically to something like that. Sure. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. This one just switched movies on me. It, it felt like. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I and, and I totally didn't understand the climax. Did you like when he walks into that giant shell or whatever and sees uh, the 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 uh, Magda's the amulet? Did that make any sense to you? No, it didn't at all. Like to hear <laughs> that she's a deity, that makes sense. Like yeah. It feels like maybe there is a world where I could have watched this movie and understood what was happening the whole time, but um. I was I was pretty lost. Same. I almost feel like this movie was uh, too smart for me. Like I couldn't. I, I like. I feel like there were a lot of like great like messages and, and themes and motifs and uh, like it hits on like some really heavy uh, stuff in society. Um, but yeah, I couldn't like comprehend the uh, what everything meant or, or like the storyline or like even understand the climax. Which I think you know. Also, to your point around like it being kind of jarring and within each scene and like the characters and. All that stuff. I, it just feels like very disorienting and hard to follow and take something away from it. Yeah. Yeah, man. I mean, when we first started this podcast, I would have been more accepting of the like, you and I were too dumb to get this. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, we've, we've watched and analyzed a lot of movies and I, not that some of the blame may not be on us, but I think if it was hard to follow, that was a problem with the movie. Sure. It yeah, may have yeah. been a little bit of a problem with us too, but I, I don't think the movie can escape blame. Sure, that's true. But I, you also got to consider this is kind of like more of like an art house type of horror film and generally like those like are more vague and like you don't have like a clear plot line. It's more like uh, up for interpretation. So I, I don't know if we're like uh, going too far by expecting to understand uh, what happened here Um or if that's like, we, we just got to be like open to, you know, this is going to be like a very ambiguous movie and it's just going to be presenting some like crazy visuals and like uh, characters uh, in, in uh, scenes. Like, is there a part of you that struggles with that? Yeah, that's a good counterpoint. And I think that is my weakness as a movie viewer that I typically want at least some straightforward structure as the backbone of a movie. It can get complicated and weird from there. Um, yeah. And when I get when I don't have that backbone, I get disoriented and kind of angry at the movie. So that <laughs> that might be my own my own weakness. And uh, yeah, so I should probably learn to appreciate more of these art house movies. I could be interested to see what I would think of this movie on a second viewing, knowing what it was. But um, right. regardless of what the movie was, I. I feel I was pretty bored for the first 30 minutes to an hour. Did you feel that way? Totally, yeah. I think there were some pacing issues here, and, like, slow burn, like, is, like, kind of an understatement just how, how like, slow this movie was in the beginning. Yeah, uh, I mean, we've watched a lot of slow burns, but this was, I think, a lot of things combined to make it slow. Not many events actually happening, not much dialogue, and we don't know much about the character. Like, right. they choose to slowly reveal things about the main character, over the runtime of the movie and that ends up having a purpose but you combine so little dialogue so little actual meaningful events happening and not knowing much about the character we've been watching this whole time it, they all added up to make it uh unusually slow yeah yeah agreed agreed 
Yeah, I know. It's it's an unfortunate combination of all those things. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, so I, I agree entirely with you on, on the plot line. What about like uh, acting, cinematography, gore, scariness? How did you feel about all those things? I thought the acting was really good. I have zero complaints about the acting. Solid performances all around. Yeah, I agree. The gore and the effects were really good. Scariness? Um, I was never really scared. How about you? No, I think it goes back to your like the slow uh, pacing and ambiguous plotline. It's hard to be scared, even though the whole movie is drenched in an atmosphere of like tenseness, except for like the, those parts where you're talking about where it's like a crazy tonal shift, which kind of pull you totally out of that element, I guess. Yeah, yeah. But uh, it was kind of like creepy throughout. It, some parts of it reminded me of like his house and stuff, where like you're just like kind of in this creepy setting and like you know this like something off and like disorienting about the place. Yeah. Uh, uh, but yeah, I don't feel like it ever fully climaxed into like scariness level, uh, unfortunately. Yeah, and his house is a movie that gave you a lot more scares along the way. That's true. That's true. It had a lot of more like yeah, it used some more devi- devices pretty well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I just I keep going back to like if it's gonna end with like this gore fest and a woman like feeling good, fist in the air on the open road. Why did it have to be this slow, boring, meandering thing for so long? Like there seems to it seems like there could have been a different first half of this movie and still let you end up where you ended up and been a more enjoyable, cohesive watch. Yeah, yeah. Because I feel like you're supposed to feel this, like, huge release at the end or, like, this idea of, like, yeah, the, you know, the bad guy's been taken down. But, um, yeah, you've just been drenched in, like, so much, like, d- depression and, like, uh, slowness that, like, it's kind of hard to feel like that at the, at the end. Yeah. A part of me wants to see the movie with Magda as a main character, but I think that probably would totally undercut the the director's point. Yeah, I think I feel like the, the, I, I appreciate what the director was trying to do. I, I think that she was like trying to do like a bait and switch, where it's like this crazy twist where the, who you thought was a good guy isn't, and who you think are like the evil people aren't uh, necessarily evil. So I I got to give her props for like originality on on the storyline because um, I, I I think that's pretty smart to do, right? Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. I think it was just too many complicated things and too many tonal shifts all in the same stew. Yeah, <laughs> in the same stew. Yeah. There was a stew in this, right? There was a stew in the movie, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, uh, yeah, w- with that all being said, uh, how many uh, bloody dead bats in the toilet would you give this one? Man, I wrote down 1.5 as soon as I was done. <laughs> and then I got, <laughs> I just felt like I've been so bitter lately because I gave a 1.5 to something else recently. 30 um, days a night. <laughs> yeah. And I also yeah. feel like, uh, I then I walked it back up to a two because I think some side of me was hearing the argument that you had said before you even said it. Like, I should be more accepting of challenging movies and be open to a movie I don't understand as it's happening. Mm-hmm. Um, I just still think there was too many things going on all at one time. Um, yeah. it didn't all fit together very well. Um, right. and there was, just, I just feels like there was a better way to make this movie, but I appreciate what was being, what they were going for. Um, so I think I bump up my 1.5 to a two. Two bloody bats in the toilet. Yeah. Yeah. Two bloody bats in the toilet. I, I, I feel like I'm just repeating myself, but at the end we receive so much new information 
Mm-hmm. And then for the first hour, we we received no information. I just feel like they could have balanced that out a little bit better, <laughs> made the movie a little less lopsided. Balance out your information feeds, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I hear, yeah, I think everything you said is very valid. Uh, and I, I struggled with the same things, like a, a plot that you know didn't make sense. And I also left the movie feeling like somewhat, uh, yeah, really confused and pretty disappointed and kind of bored and not really understanding what happened at the end. Um, but upon reading, I feel like I grew to appreciate it, which I don't know what that says about a film where like you have to read about it and read like what the director uh what their intention was uh, to appreciate it. I mean, I think that kind of makes it kind of an incomplete work if you have to rely on those kind of things. But um, I I do think it was like an original story at least and uh, kind of had like a really interesting uh, premise in terms of what they were trying to achieve and like some of the messaging they were trying to show. And then, yeah, the acting cinematography I I was a big fan of. So I I think after watching it, I I probably would have given it a two and a half. uh, But then after reading about it, I, I think I'm at like three bloody bats in the toilet. Damn. Okay. Yeah. I mean, you make a good point. There's something to be said for a movie you have to go read on later and it enhances your view of the movie. But I think a great movie is a very enjoyable watch and a a good movie even without that stuff. And then you can go think more about it, learn more about it, talk more about it with your friends Yeah. and have it be even richer after the fact. Sure. Um, Yeah. But yeah, like like you said, there there could be... I hear what you're saying about maybe it being an incomplete work if you really have to... Um, yeah, look it up and stuff. Yeah, maybe that makes us simpletons, but... Uh, I, <laughs> I know. <laughs> That's what I was worried about. <laughs> I don't think that necessarily that generalization always holds true, but for this movie, I I, I kind of yeah. felt that way. More so than you, obviously. You gave it a three, I gave it a two, so 2.5 yeah. average from, from us. Yeah, yeah. To be honest, I probably would have gone lower, but I feel like a pressure to give it a higher because I, <laughs> yeah, I, wanna, I know you do. I can feel that. <laughs> I want to feel a little more intellectually open than I actually am. <laughs> <laughs> I'm embracing my own stupidity on this one. <laughs> good for you, man. But, you know, I, I think you make a good point there. Like, uh, this film, like, say, you know, like, we, we didn't read anything about uh, the director's stuff. Uh, it, it puts, like, another enough questions out there where you you think it naturally does open itself to more dialogue than, like, more of a straightforward film, right? Yeah, like, yeah. Kind of, but I up. feel like so much of the dialogue is about what the hell everything meant than like what kind of themes were. In oh play. yeah, sure, sure. I mean, there can be some of that too. Like, uh, Get Out is a movie I'll go to where it's just like you don't have to know anything about. It. You could probably even going go into it not knowing anything about the context of race relations in America and just enjoy the film top to bottom as it is but the mm-hmm. more you learn the more you watch the more you discuss it keeps getting better yeah 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 that's, that's a really good example and and like the plot makes sense but you can still keep diving in and talking about stuff uh but here you're just kind of like what the fuck just happened yeah 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 all right all right that makes sense but I'm not trying to convince you. I'm not trying to drag you down with my negativity. I, I like your three, and I I hear what you're saying, and I will work harder on being more open to a viewing <laughs> experience that is uh, confusing. Sounds good. I'll keep pretending like I'm open to that. They can bounce. All right, cool. Wait, anything else on this one? No, that's it, man. All right. Except a little personal note that, uh, as you know, this is my last recording from from my current house. We're going to be moving, and I, we did a video tour of our house just to remember it by. And I uh, I got misty eyed when when doing our little 
the video tour section of this podcast closet, man. Oh man, in the videos Some good times you're like in here with you. Yeah, in the, in the video, are you in the closet with the microphone? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> I'm like narrating like for the kids, like so they can remember too. Oh, oh, nice, nice. Yeah, yeah. Uh, glad, I'm glad you got it documented, though. We're gonna miss that yeah. space. Yeah, they'll be like, "Why do I care about that, Dad? And why are you so emotional about it?" <laughs> yeah, I know. It's just a closet. <laughs> <laughs> That's me and Ashman's closet. <laughs> yeah, it's where it all began. <laughs> Indeed. Oh man. Well, uh, hopefully the new owners won't mind us uh, popping up in their closet from time to time, just to yeah. relive some memories. <laughs> comes with the house let me explain i'm sure you'll understand yeah exactly well to all the future closets we'll inhabit is uh this is a a nice toast yeah indeed cool man look uh all right drink some stew to that yeah exactly (laughs) all right well uh that's it for our discussion on amulets if you enjoyed this episode Please leave us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. That'll help other people find our show. And we always appreciate the feedback. If you want to join the discussion, you can find our social links on horrormovieclub.com or you can shoot us an email at podcast at horrormovieclub.com. We'll be announcing next week's movie on Facebook and Twitter in case you want to watch it before the next episode. We also have a Discord server where we're chatting up with the other listeners and horror fans. So you can find that link on our website. We have a Patreon page in case you want to support the show. You can find that at patreon.com slash horrormovieclub. Our logo is done by Amy Mae Popart, so check her out on etsy.com. And until next time, if you find a strange object buried in the woods, you're probably going to be better off just uh, leaving it there, because you never know what uh, evil it might bring upon you. It'll keep finding it. It'll pop out of your toilet and come up with butt. <laughs> yeah, exactly. 